Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. What's popping, good people? Welcome back to the best fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your host, Zay, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself. I got my guy with me, the Fantasy Guru, Young Vander. Holla at your people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And the rookie resource aficionado, Bro Joe. Holla at him, bro. What's good, Fantasy Fiend family? We got your news and notes. We're going to be deep diving into our rookies. We're going to do your quarterbacks and your running backs today. Next week, we'll hop into your wide receivers and tight ends. And then we got something a little different, a little special setup for you. The week just prior to the draft or the week of the draft, actually. And the week after that, we'll kind of give you our synopsis of who's going to do well based on where they were placed and things of that nature. So we got a lot coming up for you within the next month. We're going to make sure we get you through the off season. But for now, let's go ahead and hop right into your news. And now your fantasy news. The biggest piece of news this week, your boy OBJ has a job. Beckham ended up Getting a contract before several of the guys that we kind of thought would be either moved first or signed first, things of that nature. But he is now a Baltimore Raven with a contract up to 18 mil. I think the the base of it is somewhere around 15 or so. And then there's some heavy incentives and things of that nature in there. The scuttlebutt around the league is that this move was kind of made not only because they most definitely need an alpha receiver, but also because of the relationship between Odell Beckham Jr. and Lamar Jackson. And this clearly signifies, based on it being a one-year deal, that Lamar is going to end up being back in the fold and they'll kind of see what happens, whether he remains a Raven or whether they both go off to other pastures, even if not greener. What do we have on this, guys? OBJ now has a new home. I mean, it's finally good to see him land somewhere. I'm a little surprised by the money. I thought he's going to get more of a deal closer to like what Juju got from the Chiefs last year, but 15 million base, that's that's pretty high. I know it's going to be a center-based contract, but I'm surprised that uh, someone jumped out the window that far. You know, good luck to him. It's just, I'm curious to see who's who really stepped up as the alpha. Is it him? Is it Bateman? Everybody think it's Odell, but it's a, it's a good problem to have for Baltimore. The first time they've had this problem in quite a while. So, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Yeah, I love it to your point. You know what I mean? Especially the part about Lamar being involved and kind of negotiating everything, especially the particularly the FaceTime. After that signing, they had a, a really close uh, FaceTime soon after. And to see him kind of applauding that move for somebody who is indecisive as to what's going to uh, to come, I think that's actually speaking to him coming back. I think maybe that three-year contract might be something that can happen sooner than later. So you see him getting actually working out a deal, not just playing on the franchise. 
I think it's still possible. And if, and just to Vander's point, how we discussed it a few episodes back, I think a three-year deal and being able to retest the market at such a young age is, I think by then, you know, the market will reset and then he can get the money he wants the second go around. Wide receiver Richie James finds a new home with the Kansas City Chiefs. The standout that no one kind of saw coming last year with the Giants, kind of standout due to necessity, now is in a much better situation. Um, He caught 57 passes off of 70 targets, so he caught a pretty good clip. He'll be a guy that'll be within that Kansas City depth chart. We'll kind of have to see how that all pans out, but is this uh, big news, small news, no news at all? How you guys like Richie? I just think it's it's just a move. I, you know, Richie, uh, glad that he cashed in on his production last season, but I don't know. He, it's just a name to me, honestly. I think it's more of a special teams move. This move would probably, you know, remove Tony from back there since he's going to be a guy they're probably going to uh, really showcase this year. So I think it's really more of a special teams move than anything because, I mean, where's he going to go? He still have a little guy. He's a little guy. He still got uh, Tony. He still got Sky Moore. They got a ton of little guys running around. So I don't really think it's that. I'll tell you what. This is more like uh, he's the new Pringle, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So you remember when they had Pringle, I think he'll kind of like be that guy. Tommy Kill made somewhat of an announcement that he only wants to play three more years and then retire. So are we taking this at face value? Um, it's five weeks after his 29th birthday. He'll be basically 31 when he when he retires based on what he's saying right now. Is this just happenstance right now? Just feelings in the moment or is Hill on the uh, countdown? I think it's possible. We see a lot of good stars retire at an early age. Pat Willis, Calvin Johnson, even Barry Sanders, you know, kind of retired at his prime. Why not? I think if the money. It's been actually, if you look at 31 as the mark, it's been several people retired before that age yeah, or at so that age. I think it's possible. I mean, the money, you know what I'm saying? If he, play, if he continue to play well and he's not cut, you know, he plays his contract, gets paid, then why not? I mean, you never really know. Some people really have more aspirations in life. Other things you want to get involved with. And he's one of those guys. He's, you know, multifaceted. He's all over the place, whether it's video games or we just seen that he was in a race, you know, going against some guys. So you just never really know what Tyreek. So I think it's possible. So three and, and years. Like he's going to be coming short on money. But the three years. <laughs> Basically, he's saying he want to finish out his contract right now. So that's the remainder of the contract, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. That's possible. Because he Cause, signed I mean, that, um, <laughs> a four year, $120 million extension. And it's really more like a three-year, seventy-five million. So it kind of lines up with his, you know, current contract. So you know. Yeah, I think that's possible. Father Tom, he's a guy that's more Facts. relied on speed. Facts. Not, Facts. not you know, I mean, skill. So of course, for a speed guy, even though we see guys, maybe Deshaun Jackson, you know, they do okay as they get older, but it probably would be smart to retire after these three years. To be honest with you. Most people don't know this, but he's a really good Madden player. He he plays he plays esports at a professional level, and plays football. Not like the Curry, you know, Kyler Murray notation where we kind of laugh at it, but now he plays some really top competition there and wanting to start a esports team in this kind of market. We talk about making millions, tens of millions of dollars doing something. He has a presence in the you know Twitch and uh, YouTube community as well, similar to Cam Newton playing video games and having his podcast. So I think it's a, a serious endeavor of his. And like you said, it just fit into, the, you know, he's going to get all this money tax-free playing with Miami, and then he can invest it into something that he really wants to do. Saquon Barkley is yet to sign his franchise tag, and it's looking more and more like he might not be playing for the Giants this season. 
is this just a game of chicken that will eventually end with Saquon minimally playing for the Giants one more year? Or do we see him getting traded prior to the 2023 season? Oh, man. I think as the draft approaches, I mean, you probably start to hear a little bit more conversation. I think it's possible he can get traded. I mean, I don't think the New York organization want to really be one of those people that, you know, just say, hey, we're going to hold you, do whatever. I don't, I, don't, I don't take them as that type of team. So I think if they can get compensation and someone comes calling, they may be, you know, looking to to move on. Let's see if he's going to stand by it. You know, I don't I don't think it'd be one of the situations they, they'll force him to sit out a year or something like that. I think they'll try to get something done if possible. So, but I think he's, I don't think he's going to sign it. Yeah, I agree. We've been in a thousand percent. I think this is going to linger way into training camp. I wouldn't surprise he just comes the third week. I think, you know, and I think, unfortunately, we only talked about this in the dynasty league, but when you look at these contracts after Ezekiel Elliott, just like we discussed before with uh, the holdup with Lamar Jackson, the running back market reset itself really quick. And we're just seeing now, you know, he kind of missed that ballpark of that four-year, ninety million, the uh, deal that uh, CMC got for sixty-four million, and now seeing his, you know, cohort uh, back there in uh, Penn State get twenty-five million. I'm cool. I would want to sit out too. I mean, you're talking about a premier rusher in the league who wants to get paid the most money, and luckily he has one of the the, the best, second to best uh, representation. And as far as you know you know, in the league, I think that it really bodes well. I think it's a good tactic for him. Joe Mixon has his charges refiled. So <laughs> indeed, this, this isn't the recent incident. There was a incident back in February where the municipal court dismissed charges the next day after uh, a, a rumored incident. But basically, they're saying that they have gotten new evidence that made the case worthy of revisiting. Isn't saying guilt or innocence, just saying that there's enough potential evidence for there to at least be a charge. So, yeah, that's where we are there. There haven't been any additional you know, rumors as to a timeline or as to what the Bengals may do or if this will even affect the 2023 season. We don't know any of that just yet. Oh, and also the boot. He only remains under contract with the Bengals through 2024. So there's that part, too. I think with Mixon, it's, it's really tough, man. It's really tough. This is one of the more established players, more consistent players when healthy on the field. Everything is about his career has always been off the field, and it's something that's you know really take a turn you know for the worse in this sense. It just he can't catch a break, and I think you know with running backs being expendable, like we just had to talk about in the case of uh, why Saquon is trying to do the right thing and sitting out. We're gonna see, man. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's a legal issue, but best believe the Bengals are gonna look out for their organization because they're they're poised to win the Super Bowl now. I had an idea this may happen. I, I think this draft is going to be real key and real telling because this is a really deep running back draft. We're going to get into that later. And I'm, I'm sure the Bengals are going to be searching for a replacement. I think June 1st or something like June 9th, somewhere up in that area, is a real key date for a lot of these guys. Teams are able to make cuts and, and save money. So I, I really think we're going to see some something between now and then that's really going to be tell the tape. But keep your eye on the draft. I mean, we talked about the Giants just now, the Bengals. Like these guys starting to go at the running backs early. It's probably going to be a, a telling sign. And I did want to make mention of the lack of news, so to speak, for a certain player. DeAndre Hopkins, he didn't show up to voluntary workouts. And I think that's kind of a 
I don't want to be here. You don't want me here. Let's keep me in bubble wrap, not take any chance on anything happening more so than there being, you know, disgruntledness, I would say, between the parties there. But his contract is kind of hard to stomach. He He's basically like a, a $30 million cap hit. He has a two-year contract. He would be getting paid about $19 million this year. There aren't but so many teams that can afford them. But also the fact that you have to pay them at that clip plus give up draft compensation is making it a little bit more difficult for the deal to be made. Do we see him possibly re- uh, renegotiating maybe – a three-year deal that's a little bit more cap-friendly that kind of takes into account the two years that he already has? Or is this just going to be a stalemate and he's just going to get paid to be in Arizona or to not play in Arizona, however that works out? It seems that both both sides really want to get something done. But I think the fear of those additional years is what really uh, scaring teams off. I did hear that the New York Jets actually are uh, interested. So, you know, stay tuned to that. They didn't get Odell, so that may – I mean, so right. we know they did one another person, so maybe that does make sense for them. Right. I don't know where they get all this money from. They, they bought the mess around <laughs> and um, had plenty of money if this don't work out with Rodgers. Yeah, um, because this is – um yeah, this is getting a little silly at this point. Because, I mean, for you to go sign Lazard and then, you know, and then sign – it's like they're getting money from somewhere. But, um yeah, I, I think I say both sides, they really want to get something done. But, again, I think – him talking about his additional years on the contract is is making teams like, ah, we okay with these two years, but I don't know if we want to pay you, you know, an extension. So, Yeah, I agree. They have a good relationship, I think, him and the Cardinals, but more or less, they're not quite as interested in giving him an extension and then when trying to shop him. And that's one of the prerequisites for a deal getting done. I mean, that's the stalemate. Like, we already touched on the cap hit and everything else. You know, it's one of those things he's gonna it more likely to not end up a cardinal than anything else for the, for at least the twenty twenty three season. Now, this last bit of news doesn't have as much of a fantasy implication as it does real world NFL, but I did want to make mention that Jeff Okuda, the standout cornerback from Ohio State that used to be a lion, is now an Atlanta Falcon. I think this was possibly a, a money move. I'm not exactly sure what prompted this, but it was only they only got a, a fifth rounder, a 2023 fifth rounder. Yeah, I, I know he's uh, had some injury, you know, issues and things of that nature. But for Atlanta, I think this kind of knocks it out of the park because they definitely needed some help. You got a 24 year old kid that knows what he's doing, and um, now you have a couple of other guys out there that he'll go nicely with as far as Casey Hayward and AJ Terrell. Nah, man, this is a, a, a home run for Atlanta. I think Okuda's like, what, the third pick in the draft a few yep. years back? I know he had a lot of injuries. He actually came out and played well early in the season this year. He did. And he then really did. he's playing really well, you know, the first couple of weeks and then, you know, kind of, you know, went down from there. But, I mean, they have really uh, revamped this back end. I mean, you got, you know, you already had the guy AJ Terrell. You got the Jace, Jesse Bates. You know what I'm saying? You did speak on Casey Hayward. Like, they really have revamped the secondary. So, I mean, kudos to the Falcons. That's a, that's a really a really key move, man, to pull a first-round lottery guy for a fifth-rounder. On paper, just to what Vander just pointed out, this team has a, a decent defense. And looking like more likely not going into the draft, they're going to attack the defense even further. I think this is going to be an impressive team on paper. But that's a tough part. Like, you, I fall in love with the paper game, and the next thing you know, 
it's underwhelming, but Calais, Jared, I like that, man. Especially if you know, with the draft and another defensive end, like a even a Murphy, a Murphy from Clemson to come in here. Some, you know, anything at this point, what they already have, because the secondary on paper looking good, even going as far back as Mike Hughes, who was really a standout in the Bengals as a nickel corner. Now you just add another body, another presence there. The offer was pretty good for this team in years past, but he was never, going to me, a starter, so... I don't know, man. They hit on a few pieces uh, in the draft. I might take a, a little stab, stabby stab at the Falcons' defense, man. And that pretty much wraps up the news. Let's go ahead and get into the rookie rundown. All right, good people. So we are going to start with the rookie rundown, go through our quarterbacks and our running backs that we feel will have the biggest impact in the NFL, in fantasy, and on draft night. Starting out with the QBs, I guess we'll go ahead and start out with the guy that many had pegged from the start as the first QB out the board. Right now, it's still debatable if he will be, but Bryce Young, Alabama QB, Huge playmaker, kind of small in stature, former Heisman winner. He was one of the uh, higher graded quarterbacks um, at 92.2 um, in the 2021 season when he won the Heisman. And he followed that up with a 91.5 as far as QB grades are concerned through PFF. What can you say about Bryce Young? This, this draft is is real funny. Um, this is the position where it's either one or two on who you love. I mean, either you love... Bryce, or you love Stroud. I mean, small in stature, but he's a winner. Throws a good ball. One thing that concerns me about Young is Alabama quarterbacks don't tend to translate well in the NFL. They really um, don't. You know, I think Mac Jones has been history. the best one, and his in his situation ain't the best right now. Well, so. Maybe Tua, maybe Tua as of you know as late. Yeah, he's probably been the better. Yeah, if you take away the them two. concussions, then he showed that he had the game. So yeah, I can see yeah, that. but but even he is not. There's a lot a lot of holes in him. So as far as fantasy goes, you know, in your dynasty leagues, I'm not ready to jump out the window for him. I mean, now if you're a team that you're quarterback needed, then of course, I mean, go for it. But, you know, if, if we even, you know how I feel, if there's not one guy that's standing out, I kind of pretty much bunch them all up the same. So, you know, Young is cool. Uh, I think this, like you said, is going to be really down to the wire. What somebody's preference is as far as an NFL owner. I like Bryce Young for the same reasons you alluded to. To me, it honestly comes down to with C.J. Stroud is the better pass, the natural passer. Uh, Bryce Young is just, he's just spectacular with the ball in his hands. Just how quickly he processes things and just go about, you know, hitting his targets, getting out of, ta- you know, the tackles. His game is it really leads a lot to you know my expectation is like what it's gonna look like in the next level because yeah you mean like to do it in you know at Bama and then doing the NFL you wonder what's gonna kind of linger from one to the next but I think he's still a great prospect I think obviously he's gonna go one or two you know because how this is looking I think he's a phenomenal relative to fantasy I'm gonna say thing with you like if I'm going into you know redraft because we got a lot of people that do uh, redraft as far as listeners. I just put him in where they, you know, his ADP is. I won't reach for him. I still go to the veteran. But like you said, to kind of build around him is one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to go looking for it. But if it's a, a position of need, I definitely want to strike with Bryce. He has all the tangibles to be successful in the NFL. Um, that, even with height as a question, I don't think it's a bad deterrent. I just think more so is just all of these quarterbacks, I just noticed the trend. You're going to have to marry them with the right OC, the right quarterback's coach, 
the right, you know, organization. Like the fit is really going to play a lot into how much I'll fall in love with them. But Bryce by himself, obviously, and someone we'll talk about probably in a second. Those are good, you know, organizational uh, starters. Relative to franchises, is yet to be seen. The aforementioned C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, he's going to be probably the, if not the first, the second quarterback coming off of the big board. Stroud was able to really show what he had that he would be able to display on the next level when he was able to go out there and personally keep Ohio State in the game against Georgia. He's accurate. He has anticipation. He can make all the throws. He's a guy, as you said, Rojo, who is a natural passer of the ball. So I can see him being able to stay in the pocket, but also be the type of guy that people forget that he can run. And by the time you realize it, he's picked up, you know, 10, 15 yards um, when he had to. So what do you guys have on C.J. Stroud from Ohio State? Now, to me, I think Stroud is the better of the two. I mean, just, you know, turn the games on. In big time games, let's look at uh, Bryce Young against Georgia. Let's look at Stroud against Georgia. Two different, you know, two different games. You know what I mean? Stroud, you were, you pointed out, he's an improviser. You know, he go through his reads. If you don't see anybody, he can leave the pockets. You know, dodge defenders. He usually keeps his eye downfield. He's very athletic. Pinpoint accuracy. This boy throw dimes. He has the arm strength. You see in the combine, he ripping them sixty yards easily with just a little. Little little fling, sixty yards downfield. I think he's 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 going to be a good starting QB. Um, he's a you know pocket passer. You know he used to playing pro style offenses. The only weakness to his game is you spoke on it. He's not a natural runner. He will run if you have to, but he's not a natural runner. I don't think you should be looking for the scramble yards and the scramble you know running quarterback points like that. I don't think that's what you're going to get with this guy. Even though he's athletic, he's not one of those guys that's looking to run. Out of the two, Stroud is the better of the two. Evaluating Stroud, I think we all going to say the same thing, so I'm going to try not to be redundant. I don't look at it really 50-50. I mean, Stroud is the everything we describe as far as being a cerebral passer and everything else, and he did favor uh, relatively well against Georgia, which was, you know, the tipping pole as far as a test. But also, too, I look at his wide receiver group. I mean, even without uh, JSN with Marvin Harrison, uh, Amnika, um, and then the third gentleman, Fleming, I think it was, in the tight end. Those are studs by themselves. And looking at Bryce Young, what he had to work with outside of Gibbs, he had Trey Burton on loan from Georgia, which was a transfer, a, a few middle and wide receivers. I just, you know, I can't really go all the way with that, but I definitely understand uh, to your point, like what just what he does, and how, you know, the type of thrower that he is and how he does it, like mechanics, everything else, it really makes him stand out tremendously. I think as far as like, as far as, Football IQ and everything within itself is close between those two. But if we want to go by the numbers, Bryce Young uh, did really well as far as the S2 test, which is the new Wonderlick, uh, so to speak, really honestly was the highest graded uh, play, uh, person uh, with that test. And what it really does is how quick do you process information? How can you assimilate that information? How quick can you learn something? How long do you pro- process those things? And we've seen this test applied to, you know, Fields. We've seen it to Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen. Shoot, going back to Drew Brees, you know what I mean? Uh, even uh, Purdy last year was the highest score in this test. So as far as football IQ, you know, I think Bryce can still pick everything up relatively quickly. I think Stroud can do it the same, but it's it's a 50-50 because 
As far as arm talent, I just love what C.J. Stroud can do throwing the ball a lot more than Bryce, even though he's a great improvisational quarterback. So I think that's the, the thing that keeps me at 50-50. Now, this next gentleman, I believe we can say he has the highest ceiling amongst the rookie quarterbacks is, is kind of the feel that I'm getting. Anthony Richardson from Florida has all types of ability. He hasn't really scored as highly as the last two gentlemen mentioned as far as pro football focus um, scoring is concerned. He's, his highest has been at an 80.1 that he finished this past season. But he kind of feels like a project that if you tinker with the right way, you'll be amazed with what you end up with. I'm kind of interested to see what team he goes to, whether or not they actually have the staff in place that is capable of grooming a quarterback from where he currently is to what he could be, or if it's going to be one of those, hey, we're sorry we put you in a position to have to save us, but get out there and do it. I think that's going to kind of determine how I feel about his future prognosis. Joe, why don't you start us out on this one? What you got for Anthony Richards? Yeah, I'm glad I'm going first because this is a difference of opinion between me and Vander. We've been having a good conversation, but I'm going to say Richardson is exactly what you said. I feel like in the right situation, if it, uh, this is a marriage now, just like we just saw with Trevor Lawrence having Jim Bob Cooter, with having right. Peterson. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. have all of those together. So, you know, teams like the Panthers, team like the Colts. And a receiving core. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got you want to <laughs> Because uh, to, to the point we all know, he's only started 13 games, right? So that leaves a lot to be desired as well. And then we can also attribute, even though he's played those games, the inconsistencies, what's going on. But w- when you look at the games, you look at what's going on as far as what he's doing. Early on in the season, he even said it himself, he's playing Superman ball, you know, doing whatever he could to try to matriculate the ball down the field to get it going. And I just want to put out there in context, he has the 87th defense on the field compared to a Bryce Young we just spoke about with the ninth defense compared to a CJ Stroud with the 24th defense. He has the 71st offensive line compared to a 38th uh, ranked offensive line in a le- uh, for Young in an 11th offensive line for Stroud. So the duress and what we've seen, you know, these numbers to, you know, some things he has to mature on, which I'll agree. And I'll touch on that a little bit later. But also it's like he all look what he has to work with. Also, if you look at some of the throws and the his throwing accuracy versus the, the balls that are dropped, a lot of it really falls on the receivers. There was a lot of drops and a lot of things to be desired with them moving the ball. And I think that stood out well that he did what he needed to do. Now, kind of moving forward a little bit into the conversation, in my opinion, depending on how well somebody look at him and some people judge him, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the first overall quarterback taken just off of talent and things uh, alone. Even from the you know end of the season to even the combine, we saw a drastic difference in throwing mechanics, presence, footwork, you know, even throwing the ball because he reminds me a lot of Josh Allen when coming out of college. He just zip it. He don't have no touch. It wasn't no touch. It just it's on you on, you know, a thousand miles per hour. Whereas going into even his pro day, we saw that transformation from end of the season, uh combine into pro day where we saw, you know, a really good repertoire of throws. We saw him be uh, even more consistent and learning. So this kid can be taught to, you know, the right ways of a quarterback, but he has the tangibles. And with four four three speed, that's an official, we, you know, that's a combine speed, not a pro day speed. We know he has all the skill sets and the desire and pedigree to be successful. I like him as he is. I don't, I'm, I'm still a take Stroud and Young, 
But again, I wouldn't be surprised if he was taken first overall. Okay. We appreciate that. Particularly that so 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 beautifully. That so soliloquy. That soliloquy was it's amazing. <laughs> but um buyer beware. A nice car. It looks nice, looks brolix fast. It's a Corvette. But they didn't tell you this Corvette was in Katrina. You know what I mean? Oh, so man. you, you, you got to go look at the Carfax and see that this is a flood car. Now, you didn't see that. You know, you have to, they didn't clean it out, got all the mold out and everything. It looks sweet. But this is a flood car. I mean, we could talk about this trim. This dude is crazy athletic. Got a cannon. Uh, he's a big frame quarterback. I mean, this guy can stiff arm defender, shed tackles, all in one motion. Escapability in the pocket, second to none. We've seen him in shorts, shirt, throw the ball 60, 70 yards maybe. Looks great. Workout warrior. But this is a quarterback. This is the NFL. And like you said, if you're not married to him, you have to really change the holes. Don't don't try to fit a square in a circle, right? Don't grab him and say, oh, we're about to run this West Coast offense. No, 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 no. If you don't go get Greg Roman, don't do it. That's all it boils down to. If Greg Roman is not your offensive coordinator, I wouldn't touch this guy. I don't like his decision making. I think that's something you need to improve on. He stared down his receivers. This ain't the league to try that in. You staring, we're going the other way with it. And another thing is accuracy. Yeah, he throw a cannon, but, you know, I was watching some film on him, and he, he launched his deep ball, and I'm like, oh, boy, how far he going to miss this throw by? That was the thought. You know what I'm saying? His inaccuracy. He has had some receivers drop some balls this year, but he's inaccurate all over the field. I, I just can't I can't do it. He's, a lot of people have him as the best quarterback in the draft. Some people have him third behind Stroud Young. I don't even think he's that high. I think people are going to get fooled by this workout and this big specimen of a man that he is and just think that he's the, the guy. But just go turn on the Kentucky tape. You know, that's my thing. Go look at the game against Kentucky. And, and that's all I need to see. Like, this dude is it's going to be some way better defense than Kentucky, I'm telling you, in this next level. Wait, wait. I just got to interject. You said that to me before. But Kentucky, would it surprise you had one of the top defenses in the country? Will you surprise you that this is the NFL? Like, going to my point I said earlier, he has the 71st ranked offensive line. Like, what do you want him to manifest with inept receivers in that type of offensive line other than playing Superman and trying to do what he can by himself? I'm not I'm not. Look, I agree with the assessment. He is somebody who does need to work on uh, his accuracy because that's something that's really plagued him and really was his season that ebbed and flows. Great games, mediocre games. Great games, mediocre games. The team around him isn't like the top, the two other quarterbacks we talked about. So to give an assessment, you know, I think you're right. People can look at him as an athlete, but as a quarterback, even, you know, with that, with what was around him, he still was very productive. And I can't say that a Stroud or a Young will look the same with the same type of defense and the same offensive line because they have the the better half of those by a large margin uh, Mm -hmm. compared to numbers. But I mean, hell, Kentucky, they had a pretty, maybe a pretty solid defense. That's cool. But this is the SEC. He's playing against some of the best talent. He going, this is the next level. I mean, it's the SEC every Sunday. You know what I mean? So I don't really right, want right. to get caught up into the whole, you know, well, it was Kentucky. Hell, I, I seen South Carolina beat Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I right? Uh, and, and, and then we're going to get into my next guy. But you talk about, yo, this defense, Kentucky, would it surprise you that they were? But the next quarterback we're going to talk about lit them boys a fire. And that's that quarterback from Tennessee. He lit Kentucky up. 
and that was a head-to-head game against Levis, uh, Levi's or whatever you want to call him. But I ain't really, you know, buying the Kentucky defense as an excuse. This guy doesn't have much experience. Something like a Trey Lance in a way, limited experience. That's a, maybe a good comparison to a guy like Trey I Lance. I like that. I like that, you know too. Just, just listen to you say that. Yeah. I like that. Kind of similar, you know, as far as athletic ability, all those good things, but limited experience. Even though he played in a better conference, I'm just not sold on him. If you don't have uh, Greg Roman, nah. I'm not drafting them. And great segue into the next two guys that we're going to talk about as far as quarterback is concerned. First up is Will Levis from Kentucky, who was actually one of the higher graded quarterbacks, according to pro football focus. Uh, He earned a 90.6 overall grade. He was dealing with turf toe for much of the year. That same competition that you were speaking of, Week in and week out, he had to go up against that SEC competition. So he will definitely have earned his stripes against the tougher defenses. And we had Hendon Hooker, Tennessee quarterback, who ended up having an ACL injury. If not for that ACL injury, when when he got hurt, he was in line right with the, the rest of those Heisman candidates. He's definitely a gifted runner, has a good arm. He was one of these guys that was really being talked about as one of the tops of the tops until he got injured. He also was going up against week in, week out. Very good competition as far as defense is concerned. Now, this is the guy, you know, in my opinion, man, Hooker. I love him. I I think he that deal. You know, I guess the ACL injury has really kind of maybe ran a few people off or whatever. And this is a top-heavy draft when it comes to the quarterbacks, but... And then another thing they're probably going to say about Hooker, uh, he did have some really stud receivers. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know what I'm saying? Do you like Roger Rice or Montana or Steve Young? Like, who made who better? You know what I'm saying? So, but this guy, he's an ideal quarterback size to me. He's 6'4". He looks NFL ready. One of his biggest strengths is reading defenses. He uses eyes to create leverage on his throws. Really good pocket presence. Great accuracy. Throws a really good deep ball. The one thing about him, though, a lot of people don't know is he's 25 years old. Kind of echoing, kind of getting to that Chris Winky kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Where you, you know, it's yeah, kind of old for a rookie. Year old rookie right? yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of old for a rookie. But with the, with the amount of time that QBs are staying around now, he can come into the league at 28, and as long as he yeah. come in and, and and do what he got to do, who cares? You know, all these guys got cons, but one thing about him, one of his cons, I would say, even though he has pretty good pocket presence, he tend to get lazy with the feet sometimes. Kind of like deciding when to step up in the pocket or when to scramble and things like that. In my opinion, I think this is probably the second best quarterback in this draft, to be honest with you. I have Stroud first. I have him second. I think he's better than Bryce Young. Um, I love Hooker, man. As far as Levis, he's mobile. He has the body type, you know, six about 6'3". Six, he has a really good arm talent, but it's so funny about him, he struggled with short throws. Like, his short throws are, are pretty inaccurate. And that's the one thing I don't like because in this league, in order to succeed, you're going to have to really make the short throw. You know, everybody thinks you're not going to just, you know, take a five-step drop and just throw it deep every play. Like, you got to be accurate on those shorter throws. And and that's kind of like an Achilles heel of him. So uh, maybe a good comp for him would be something like a Jeff Garcia. So if you like Jeff Garcia, I guess you should like Will Lives. But for me, I think people kind of like, you know, buying too much into the what a quarterback looks like when it comes to this guy. So I'm not a real big fan of him as well. I'll take it a step further. Like, when I look at Hendon Hooker, it reminds me of another quarterback who's so happy to play that Clemson. I saw a lot of Deshaun Watson. Like, this dude, how, like, as far as throwing and, and ball placement, where he puts the ball, particularly on these deeper routes and everything, 
he pops. Like all his highlight tape is him bombing it on people and his escapability. It leaves a lot, man. It leaves a lot. The ACL really, had he not, he had definitely been a Heisman finalist, obviously. But also, too, I think he'd be also in that conversation to your point, or possibly the best quarterback in general. I think the good thing is that the Combine's reports are saying that he'll be on pace to start. He already met with uh, Tennessee and the Lions, and he has visits with the Bucks and the Raiders. So I think he might go in the first round, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, solidly he goes in the second. Real quick, um, though, watching his film is it's not cool, if that makes sense. Um, just like Hyatt and Tillman, these dudes are always open. And you're like, I don't want to yeah, watch this shit. You know what I'm <laughs> You know what? I'm, you know what? <laughs> I'm glad you pointed out because when I look at that, like right. he's always seven yeah. eleven with all of them. Yeah, it's like it's just how he puts it on them. Like it's right. just like oh, they throw a sweet okay. ball, but it's like but these dudes are wide open. Like let me see some contested throws. You know what I mean? Like can let me really see this guy. Like but it just yeah, like right. every time you watch him, man, the dudes are wide open. It's like so he it's kind of hard to look at his film. I'm glad you said that because now when you put it like that, I'm like damn, two, three, four yards <laughs> separation on most of these throws. Yeah. yeah. If you can take away the age from it and you can still happen to kind of go back and, and pick and choose these games because he played well in all of them, you got to really evaluate where you think he'll be. But he has the nuances and makeup to be a good quarterback. We'll leave this to your point. I think you see some good things. You can see why people like him having that pro, you know, ready, you know, situation in Kentucky playing in that style of offense. It's another tale of not having much around him. But also, too, he kind of forced a lot in Kentucky. And I understand why. As far as offensively, the defense did their part, but the game got away because the lack of opportunities on offense, you know, not having weapons like Wandell and, uh, you know, quite a few of them really show, but I don't know. I think he, because of necessity, what we're going to see happen in the draft, he's going to probably go in the first round. But we talk about being married uh, earlier. You're going to have to marry him and then have security guards around him because he can easily be a Jake Locker or he could be a Josh Allen. You can't just marry him. You got to have even a ball boy have quarterback experience. And my person <laughs> really get the most out of him because he has the talent, but you really got to marry him and then put every piece around him top to bottom to kind of maximize where he'll be. Because I think if you throw him to the wolves, he'll easily become like a, a you know, a Ryan Leaf, a Derek Carr. I mean, a David Carr, excuse me, where you throw him out there too early, it's going to just damage him. As a, It's going to be irreparable as far as what he'll be potentially. But he could be a, a Jake Locker or a Josh Allen. Let's go ahead and hop into the running backs. We all know the first guy up, Bijan Robinson. I apologize if I pronounce his name wrong. I've heard a thousand different ways to say it. But um, Robinson, he's a stud. No other way to put it. 215-44 speed, broke 104 tackles in 2022, which is a college record, according to Pro Football Focus. He might just be that dude. How much of that dude are we talking about? I don't. This, the ceiling or the floor, that's to be determined. But what do you guys have on Robinson? I'm going to make it quick. This is uh, Jesus in pads. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, what you mean to say? Like, this is probably one of the better running backs that we've seen. Probably the best one we've seen since Saquon, but definitely he's a generational. He's one of those guys, man. Like, dude does everything well. If he was building a running back, like a creative player, you would build Bijan. I mean, he's prototypical size, speed, the guy's strength, everything. The burst, agility, A, speed, A, vision, A, uh, his balance, A. Yards after the, you know, contact, A. Receiving, A. Route running, A. Pass protection, A. Like, 
The only one thing, if you want to find a weakness, because no one's perfect, ball security. He did have like six fumbles in his career at Texas. Uh, but it's not one of those things where I don't think it'd be a problem. I think they'll fix it on next level. Get ready, because boys is coming with the peanut punch. You know what I'm saying? This is the NFL. Like, guys are trying to punch that thing out of there. But if you, if you want to call a weakness, like, we got it. We can't make him, you know, God. But if you want to do have one imperfection, I guess we could say ball security. This is this is the coming. Like, he, how you felt about Saquon, how you felt about AP, when my boy Tory, when, when Gurley came out, how, I thought he was one of those guys. Like, how you feel about those guys coming out? You should feel about him. See, man, you just said it so well. I can't even really talk about much but going to comps. Like, I love that a lot of people have used, like, Edwin James, LaDainian Thomason. I'm going to be real uh, light on ever saying Barry Sanders as far as the comp. But you see too much of it in his game to kind of stare away from that. But I, I respect Barry Sanders, the player, so much. But like you said, it's the easiest player to evaluate. Probably if, if you had an overall player, one of the top overall players in the draft. And what, what you like about his frame, like you said, being, you know, built. In high school, he was already, you know, above normal. And then to see the kind of weight and mass he put on in college, I think he already knew the second he was he woke up in middle school he, what he was going to be because how he sized himself from, you know, all, all his life, but particularly from high school to college, the dude built like a tank, man. I think I think it bodes well for him. Like I said, easiest pick, fantasy, real life, redraft that you'll have to make. The question is, what kind of team will he go to? Because he can go as early as the Eagles or somebody might be poised to take him in a committee. Not to say he won't distinguish himself, but he might go to a Chargers. You know, he might go to one of those type of situations, a Buccaneers, you know, like, so it, I, it's, it's not the, it's more, the player's great. I just want to see where he goes. Hopefully he can be a bell cow wherever he goes. Real quick. If this was the old days, say, he'd be the first pick in the draft. Facts. Facts. Just period. Facts. Facts. You know, yeah. the game has changed so much, you know, now it's all about yeah, passing the ball. But back and in the days. the passing. Right. When Emmitt and them boys are playing, when it's all about running the ball, he would be the, easily the first pick in this draft. Easily. Hmm. Now, Jamar Gibbs, 200 pounds, 4'3", 4'3", to be exact. Alabama, Georgia Tech, went to both schools. He's not only a good runner, but he's also a great catcher of the ball. He caught uh, over 100 passes for over 1,200 yards, close to double-digit TDs as far as through the passing game is concerned. So he, he kind of reminds me kind of like a, a Alvin Kamara type of situation, but he's faster uh, or as fast, worst case, as Kamara. He's a home run on the ground, home run through the air, you can't really go wrong with Gibbs if you can't get your hands on Robinson. That's that's it's funny you say Kamara because that's the comparison everyone says about this guy Kamara, Kamara, Kamara. That being said, he's a guy that needs to be in a committee, maybe some lightning to someone's thunder because of his size. Um, that's You're right. Probably- and I was going to actually switch that to a Swift because he, he actually reminds me more of Swift where the committee will keep him upright and breathing versus getting hurt. But, yeah, that, yeah. that type of a running yeah, he, back. He's definitely the, the you know considered the RB2 in this draft. Again, his cons, his size. I mean, he's 5'9". 200 is not bad, but it's probably going to limit the ability to, to handle a full workload. So he's probably going to be a third down guy but because his pass blocking needs work. And one thing about that, if you can't pass pro, you can't get on the field. He's going to have to get some work on that. But as far as route running, speed, receiving, agility, vision, I mean, the guy's a hell of a runner. I just think he's going to be a guy that's going to be in a 
in a committee. But don't get it twisted. This guy can be a fantasy darling because we've seen the Saints a couple years ago when we had Ingram and Kamara both finishing top 10. So right, can, and everybody can, has a committee nowadays for the most part. So Yeah, majority league. In a PPR league, I think this guy can be money. And if you don't get your hands on a Bijan, if you need a running back, he's definitely the best, second best option on the board. You just love everything about this kid. And I think he extrapolates so much. Like you said, other, after Robinson, it's like this is a, a clear-cut second best guy. And I just I just love how he runs the football. I just, I just love how he does everything right. Because you for somebody that fast, he's still a north and south runner. He still will get you four yards. And, you know, most guys you'll think will go lateral. They might stretch everything. No. Has a friend, a smaller frame, but he doesn't mind getting banged up and, and going through the middle. And I, I just like, I just like his abilities naturally with the ball. Like you know, to have a four three six, which that solidifies to me his breakout ability and what he's going to do in the game. I, I think he fits all offenses. He's super versatile. He's going to fit all offenses in the league. I agree. I think I'll call him a one A as opposed to a one B. Like I more like an Eckler, where it's like. Yeah, Echo get 20 touches, mm. but he's out there more than the, the second guy. Yeah, I, I could dig that. If he if he man, he ends up in the offense like that, he could be money like an Eckler. That's a good that's a good call. I like I like that. I like Eckler. Next up, and I do apologize if I'm pronouncing these guys' names wrong, but you have Zach Chabernet. Is that right, Joe? We're gonna go with that. We're gonna butcher, but it's okay. Chardonnay. Love these guys. <laughs> out of UCLA. <laughs> Uh, this guy is uh, 215, 45 speed, well built, elusive, top three rushing grade within FBS uh, each of the past two years. He's one of those guys. His name doesn't ring the same bells as the first two mentioned, but he could easily be a, I'll say, Tyler Allegier type of a guy where once you knew his name, it was probably too late because the guy that did the digging already had him sitting in the taxi squad. So I'm going to remove Allegier and I'm going to put Ramondre Stevens on him. This guy's all purpose. He gets it done running the ball, but he's a tremendous pass catcher. And I, especially when you see ones that catch it with the hands more so than in the body, he just does everything well. He, it's not that he gets the the smaller clips well, but this guy's breaking out 20, you know, 30-yard gains, and he just always goes forward. He always taking somebody with you. People are making career decisions when he hit the hole because he definitely has that prowess about him that he's very powerful, but he's very elusive and nifty. And I think, you know, some guys do the program are going to run faster than others because obviously what's available to you, you know, how much money goes into different programs. I could have seen him if he, if this wasn't, you know, a, a track event for, you know, that you train for six weeks after the regular season. I could see him be a 4-4 guy. I like to say, I view him more like a Ramondre. He just, he just does a lot relatively well. In the next level, this is going to be the hard part, though, because we already know Gibbs can at least – we know Gibbs is a first or second round pick. Because of all the needs and, and the availability at other skill positions, this might be a guy, like you said, that he might go unnoticed because he might go to third or fourth round. To my opinion, into like like you alluded to PFF, at least he's graded out to be, in my opinion, a second round running back. So I would put him as my third player. But somebody else I like – well, two other people I like is what kind of makes it a toss-up. All right, I'm going to take away Remind. Andre and I'm going to add Nick Chubb. Oh, this guy. Okay, he, okay. I mean, you look at the film, man. This dude, he runs with power. And when I say Nick Chubb because he runs behind his pads. You know what I'm saying? 
He run behind his pads. He's fighting for extra yards. He's one of those type of guys. I mean, even though he's a man that runs a lot of power, he still got a little wiggle, you know, like Chubb. Like Chubb, he's not, you know, all agile, you know, but he has a little wiggle to his game. Trust me, you won't mistake this guy for Barry Sanders and all like that. But he's kind of like Bettis with light on the feet. But the one thing about this dude as well, things that make him good make him, you know, is a negative. What makes you great can make you, you know, be negative. And the flaw in this game, even though he runs behind his pass, he's kind of a, a upright runner, you know, like the boy DeMarco Murray was in the past. And that's probably even better comp, a better uh, comp, like a DeMarco Murray, where he kind of runs standing up. And it works for it had worked for guys like Latavius Murray, DeMarco Murray, even back in the day, like an Eric Dickerson. Those guys run tall, you know what I'm saying? And the one thing about Charbonnet, that could lead to big hits. <laughs> you, right. you're, leaving a, you're leaving a big target, you know what I'm saying? So... Uh, this this dude, he he, he keeps the legs churning. He, he runs hard, but he's an upright rounder. So that's that's the only con I would say about this dude. Miller, TCU. This guy is 215, don't have a speed on him. He averaged 6.7 yards per carry for his career. Ended up with about 1,400 yards or 224 carries, 17 scores this past fall. The division that he's in isn't necessarily the greatest of talent, so I don't know how much of what we see. Now, granted, because he's in the same division as Robinson, who's to say you know how that works out, but we don't know whether or not what he did there may necessarily translate, but what do we have on Miller? Now, this is a tricky one. Like you said, he uh, averaged six yards a carry. Hell, his, uh, fr- his first two years in college, he averaged seven yards a carry. But the, the funny yeah, thing... He's at 6.7, so it's pretty close to seven. Right. But the crazy thing about that is he got some wheels, but he kind of lacks breakaway speed, if that makes sense. Kind of an oxymoron. Like, yeah, he averaged a lot of yards a carry. He quick, but he's not fast. Right. You know what I mean? So don't get him confused with, you know, a Jameer Gibbs. Something like that. He's not that. He, he doesn't have that same explosiveness. But also his lack of pass catching. That's one of the things. I think he has good hands, but he only caught, what, right at 30 balls over three seasons. That's not a good resume builder, you know what I mean? But the guys are very aware, has really good vision. He's a balanced runner. I like kind of like Miller. I think he will probably go in the second round, of course, in your dynasty leagues, mid mid second. I'll be uh I'll be looking for this guy. I think you mentioned him to me in passing in the conversation we had a mm-hmm. few months ago. Yep. And that honestly, from there, I kind of look at it. I'm gonna speak a little bit different to like the breakaway thing, right? He's 95th percentile in explosive run rate. He's 90th percent in missed tackles. He just like you said, you can't really get a beat on him because do I think he's lightning fast? No. But well, I think he can he can definitely take it forty at least. But as the game weather, would I put him in the same category to give him a bulk of touches? No, this is my one B, you know, or my handcuff kind of guy. But he has tremendous upside. I think we would have liked to see more from him, but unfortunately, he had the MCL late in the season, so we didn't get a combine, we didn't get a pro day because had he in fact ran faster. Or showed us what kind of speed he have. Like you said, it does become a question of him and Gibbs and him possibly moving up. But Keandre, like you said, he's a good player. What I what I actually stood out is doing the pro day real quick is that Belichick was talking to him. And you know, Belichick, the most quiet person, you know, real standoffish kind of guy, real mute. But they was laughing and smiling and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I, I, that kind of stood out to me. I think, you know, he's going to be ready, obviously, before the season. He was already doing um, some workouts and some activities by himself. Uh, so the MCL injury, I think it was just on the lighter side of things, thankfully. So like you said, your point, he could go in the second round, definitely in Dynasty. As far as the NFL, 
I think it does put him still in the conversation between the third and fourth round, but it's somebody you got to kind of keep your eye on definitely because he is going to have a lot of value in Dynasty for sure. Next up from Pitt, we have Israel Abinaconda, 5'11", no official speed, 215, so definitely a prototypical running back size, if you will. What do you have on this guy, Joe? So going as far as speed, at his pro day, he ran a 4'4'40 at the pro day. Uh, I love this guy. I think, honestly, I'm looking forward to see where he goes at the next level because I think this is where you kind of take note and then you find a steal, even in redraft, not even just dynasty. Again, as far as comps, and, and this comp is going to sound crazy, but I don't want people to look at the perennial pro bowler or the guy on the Minnesota Vikings as he is today. But a Dalvin Cook S player, definitely. You see a lot of it. He's somebody who's very shifty, very nimble. He breaks a lot of tackles. He has low center of gravity. You watch him run, and it's just like you don't – he has a stature. He runs like he's way bigger than how – he, you know, his, his true to size. I'm big on this guy. You know, as far as tangibles and everyone else we just spoke to to this point, I think, like I said, it's just one of those names. You just look for the, the right situation, and you got yourself somebody that you really want to keep an eye on as far as this offseason. Now, the one thing about this guy um... – the things that kind of kind of makes you afraid of him when you're watching tape on him. There's a lot of examples of him getting what is blocked for him, and what I mean by that is uh, it's not many cases of him like creating his own. According to like Pro Football Focus, he has 782 yards before contact, which rank him second amongst power amongst like power five running backs. However, 19% forced missed tackles rate him 64th. So what that means is he's gaining very few yards as his line struggles. Like if his if his line struggle, he ain't giving, he ain't doing nothing. He just good at he, you know just run through what's there for him. He doesn't really create his own. So that's the one thing that kind of you know make me afraid of this guy. I don't know if he can really get it on his own. Like I mean that that's 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 a real telling stat. I mean you second in the league in yards before contact, but he has ideal size. I think he does need to work on his receiving game. Um, I think Joe alluded to earlier his elusiveness. I think he'll go maybe in your third round in your dynasty leagues. But that's all I got to say about this guy. I, I may draft him and put him in my taxi squad if I did. But I'm not looking to, out of him right away. Now, Joe, this next guy up I'm not too familiar with, Zavian Valaday. Oh, yeah. I love this player, man. From Arizona. Really good kid. I think to me, and this, you know, we had us off the air. We talked about sharing, you know, our players and everything and, this was the guy I didn't want to talk about, you know, because I think when you look at his tape and you look at how he runs and how explosive he is, again, looking at it, his total yards and everything, it's not telling of the kind of prospect he's going to be at the next level. But he reminds me a lot of Tony Pollard, a lot of Tony, a more shredded, you know, Tony Pollard. Um, he had a 4-4 at the pro day. I love to see that because smaller programs, you just want to see, almost like a Brees Hall, you want to see that they have enough speed to kind of compete at the next level. He just does everything relatively well, even though he's a smaller prospect as far as, you know, being 6 feet, 200 pounds. I don't have the same concerns with him as I would a Jameer Gibbs. I would, I can give him a full workload and I will feel comfortable. Or I would expect him to get a full workload and be comfortable. He just... He just, I just love him as a runner. I think you fall in love with him as a runner, just his natural ability laterally, you know, north and south. He gets the game of football. You, you saw it at parent with those 18 touchdowns he had, but just how he runs, man. I, I think, again, it's somebody who might go, and as far as the real draft, anywhere between fourth and fifth. But the, it's a tremendous value because, again, the later the rounds we've been seeing it, the new trend, this is where you get 
a starter as far as the, the actual draft, right? These later rounds, these guys are shown and proven. And this is one of those names you're going to see in that question of, you know, how soon he can take over for the right situation. So I would love to see where he goes because that's one of my guys I would want to keep to myself and draft him on the low key. In my opinion, in a fantasy draft, like our league is what, three rounds? He would be a guy that would be undrafted. So once the draft is over, if you like him, go run and grab him because he won't be drafted. I don't think, unless a guy like Joe just, you know, jumps out the window, go grab him. But I don't see a guy that'd be drafted. One of the cons, you know, that's kind of unique about this guy, he's about to be 24 years old as a rookie. That's kind of weird. You know, for a running back to be a 24, 24-year-old rookie. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, he's running clock, back and quarterback. It, it, it's Benjamin Button time for him. <laughs> he he got two, three years to get it. If he he got three years to get it right. That's it. That's all he got. He's going for a really short career in his in his league because he's 24. Like, we start seeing, Zay, you say, what, decline at 27? That's what you think? A lot of people got 30 the, is the, the magic the 26, age. 26, 27 year is normally when you start to see a decline or they no longer ascend. And this dude's 24. Like Joe say, speed, speed, speed. Again, like Joe say, don't get him confused with Gibbs because one thing about this dude, he got a nose for the end zone. He a speed guy, but he he can get it in there. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to arm tackle this dude. That's for sure. Uh, the one thing about him, though, I think that's going to hurt him on this next level. Um, he has a habit of trying to turn every play into a big play. So he's trying to hit a home run every time he catch the ball. On this level, he got to learn to, you know, get his four or five yards and get down, not trying to, you know, make a negative play you know, running around and stuff like that because this is a lot of speed going on. So he just got to go get his yards and, and wait for the next play to hit the home run maybe later in the game. So that's the only thing I would have to say that's probably a, a con for this guy's game. Tajay Spears from Tulane, 201-510. He is a problem in the open field for sure. He's He's got a little wiggle to him, if you will. Close to 1,600 yards this past season, 19 scores, and close to 1,100 yards after contact. So – He's not a guy that goes down easily. What we got on Tajay Spears? I'm telling you, like what we said earlier, it's so many running backs. It's going to be so hard to really hammer one down the value because all of these running backs are going to idealistically fit so many systems and bring so many abilities. Tajay, what I like about him, he, like you said, he just does everything well, man. We're talking about somebody who's had on close to uh, 1,900 all-purpose yards, getting it done in various ways, 21 touchdowns. Aaron Jones, who was at the combine, you know, because they have the vets kind of doing it for NFL uh, Premium or the NFL Plus. This was his dark horse. This is somebody he really spoke to about being one of those guys that's going to potentially surprise people at the next level. And I see it because when you look at him, you see a lot of Tajay. You see that a lot of the skill sets fit Aaron Jones and what he does well. I just like he just got his hungry man he just he just really gets it you can just tell when somebody has been in you know well i'm starting to sound like espn when they talk about people where they grew up and where they come from but you can tell he got it out the mud like real talk like you can just tell how he runs really tenacious and real runs really hard i think he's gonna be a difference maker for a team he could go undrafted in the real life draft he might go in the sixth round but similar to how i find gems i would just keep looking and seeing what he's doing mini camps otas and just keep seeing what he does to stand out. Almost like a Damian Pierce, right? Where we kind of kept following the breadcrumbs. You kind of knew if he was a starter or not. I put Taji in that same category. And if I'm not mistaken, LaDainian Thompson kind of liked him. One is another NFL analyst that's a former running back really loved him as well. You just see him do it all. And you just see it. You did it even at a small program. You can tell a lot of what he does is going to assimilate to the next level. So I love him as a player. Next up, we have Devin Ikind from Texas A&M. 
Um, this guy is a burner, 4'3 speed, about close to 190 pounds, 5'8. He's definitely uh, able to break tackles as well as able to run away from you. So he definitely has a, a, a good skill set there. What do we have on Devin? Now, this is a dude that me and Joe kind of back a little bit. I was asking how you feel about him. This dude here, man, this dude explosive, man. What, 4-3-2 speed? I mean, this dude was blazing fast. If you're in a PPR league, he's probably going to be one of the most intriguing running backs in this draft because uh, he does have really good pass-catching ability. Uh, through college, he showed that ability to catch the ball, make defenses, you know, miss when he get in open space. Uh, real good contact balance. He's a bit undersized, but he doesn't go down easy on the field. He does have a knack of getting yards after contact even with a small frame. But that being said, the weakness is his small frame. Like He's a smaller guy. He's never going to be a bell cow, but he can definitely be a change of pace, third down receiving back type of guy. Pass blocking, he's definitely going to have to work on that. But uh, in the NFL, I, I think he can uh, He can definitely be in a, a James White type of guy. That I love guy, that one. You know, he, he definitely can fit in that kind of realm. That guy that comes off, catch eight balls, you know, and get busy. He only probably going to have three carries, but he can catch those eight balls out the backfield and, and, and make you pay. But one thing, let's let's see. He can't be in the boomer bust category, though. You know what I'm saying? He's definitely one of those guys that kind of falls in that due to, because he can be James White, but he can be Tariq Cohen. You know what I'm saying? So, mm, okay. right. You know what I mean? So it's kind of that kind of one of those things when it comes to him. Now, this next guy, uh, he's going to be one of those guys that he can either take it to the moon or he'll be gone real soon. It's just going to really depend on his first year. But I cannot wait to see what happens with Dwayne McBride out of UAB. He was one of the most dominant running backs in college football over the last few years. He has somewhere north of 3,500 yards, just under 500 carries. I want to say somewhere around 480. But his yards per carry were over seven. Five is great. Seven is otherworldly. Um, he had about 175 broken tackles on those attempts. But the other thing is the ball security. He did have you know nine fumbles over that span as well. But this is a guy who's shown that he has the ability to be that dude, but he doesn't necessarily have the cachet to just come in and take the job. It would be kind of like a Pierce type of a situation or injury in front of him. Or I can see him being good enough to sustain what we got on McBride. This is one of my sleepers. I definitely got my eye on him. Because a, a lot of people don't really know about him. There's going to be a lot of names probably go before him in most dynasty drafts. Like you said, this guy averaged seven point yards to carry. I mean, as a freshman, or maybe as a sophomore year, but his first year at UAB, he only played nine games or six games, but he's averaging nine yards to carry. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> this dude has power, contact balance, real good blend of both size and power. He churns at the contact. Really good vision, really good instincts. Man, this dude, he one of them dudes, man. He's also um, versatile when it comes to scheme. That's one thing about a lot of these guys. People are draft running backs that don't fit their scheme. But this dude here, you will see him in a, in a, in a, in a he would excel in a gap and a, a zone blocking scheme. I can see him in both. He's very versatile. But like you said, the cons, putting that ball on the carpet, ball security. This dude had 11 fumbles in his career. Best believe defensive coordinators know that. And these guys know that. That's something he's definitely going to have to fix up. And also his lack of pass catching. Didn't do a lot of that at UAB. Let's see if he can stay on the field for three downs. You don't want to be too one-dimensional. That's one thing also. If you can't catch the ball, then people see you, you know, see you trot on the field. They're like, oh, they're about to run the ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you don't want to be one of those guys as well. So that's something he's he going to have to work on. But I love yep. this dude. And that's how it's uncanny that you say that because the next guy that, we, that we're going to talk about actually fits that mode specific. What you got on McBride, Joe? What I was going to say about McBride, man, is you're going to see one of, like, like I said, I think what happened is one or two t- like tells of the tape. 
he's either going to go, like I said, likely undrafted, but he has the upside to really contribute to a team, or he could be somebody that just one of those college players that did extremely well on that level and probably not make an organization. Like, his spectrum of possibilities is too inconsistent with me. Like, everything you guys said is phenomenally true. He has all the talent. I remember somebody, I forgot, uh, was it, three or four years ago, came out of Florida, came out of, what I think, Florida Atlantic, same accolades, 1,900 yards, was gone in the league before we knew it. Not even, make, not even on a team. And I think he kind of falls in that place, but we just got to monitor it. I, I think with him, you know, what would have really helped him is if he ran a 40, but he wasn't able to run one at the combine nor at his pro day. And those numbers are only going to be held at a private workout, so we'll never know how fast he is. But if, if he had a stamp to his speed, I think it would have put him more on the map because we've seen the talent on tape. Last up, it's kind of ironic that Vander alluded to what would amount to one-trick ponies to a certain extent. But that one trick is a phenomenal trick. Sean Tucker, he's a phenomenal between the tackles runner, but he hasn't really shown much of an ability to help out in the passing game or receiving game. So it's going to be one of those situations kind of like where Render was just saying, you know, if he's on the field, you kind of know what's about to happen. Now, whether or not you can stop it from happening is the question. This dude, man, he built like a truck. <laughs> Similar to like a Kenneth Walker last year. Extremely explosive. They say he ran a 4-3 in high school. One thing I like about him, he has a really decisive running style. He's not like the type to like pity patter or dance, anything like that. He's patient. But if there's a hole there, he's going to hit it and he's going to hit it hard powerful back he has a receiving up style a receiving upside as great as he looked as a runner i think he's able he's going to be able to catch the ball on the next level so he's not a guy that you're going to be take off the field i think he can he'll be okay when it comes to receive pretty good route runner as well has good ball skills the yards after the catch that's i mean that's his game the only weakness i say with this dude he's not elusive like in the open field you can get to him you probably could tackle him he's, he's not hard he's not easy guy to bring down but he's not elusive at all he's not going to make anybody miss and uh his pass pro that's something that, another thing he got to work on even though he's he's he probably can catch the ball can you block and then again like you say the one trick ponies if you come out here we know he's gonna go out for a pass or he's gonna run the ball he's not gonna sit back there so kind of get one dimensional unless you fix those things but Maybe on the next level, he'll be able to fix it up. You'd be surprised. A lot of people got this guy as like the third back behind Robinson and Gibbs. A lot of people like him. I like Tucker as well, too. Part of evaluating him, like the, just a little bit of how much did he get a chance to do with Syracuse? He, he's definitely everything that as described. Again, this is the upteen time, but another like this, with so many bets being so well diverse in this group, right? I would have preferred, like, you know, the 40 and all those other measurables that you get to do at the combine really is what sets you apart and what leads to further conversation. I think that's the thing because of the plethora of backs that we already discussed and the conversation we even just had just now, I think it really plays a part of what people are talking about discussing in the room. He had a private workout. So, again, not at the combine, not at the pro day, but he had a personal workout and he ran a 4 3 3. I don't know. That might be a 4 5 compared, you know, in realization with a handheld time compared to something at least electronic. He's a good player. I think he's a good player, great value. It's hard to get a beat because even after, if we were to keep going in this list of players, we'd be talking all day. And I thought that's what a range he falls at, where it's like he does well, but he doesn't do anything to stand out. And that pretty much wraps it up for the quarterbacks and running backs. We are going to hit the wide receivers next week, unless you guys had any. Hey, but but I want I, I do want to say something. I don't mean to cut okay. you off. No, no, no. Go ahead. But I, I think our listeners is one guy 
that we didn't speak on, on this show. He's he's also a favorite of mine, a sleeper, and that's the kid. I'm not sure how you pronounce his first name, but he's the backup running back to Bijan at Texas. And I believe his name yes, is. Yes, that's uh, what I was alluding to, too. Oh, right. Johnson? Yeah. Is it Rock Is it Rock Sean or Ro- Roshan? Ro- Ro- Roshan Johnson. Uh, he's 219, four, five speed, six feet. Yeah, and like you said, he was the backup to Bro. Robinson. He's the guy that breaks a lot of tackles. He he is sure. a guy I think you know got overshadowed by greatness, but in your leagues, be on the lookout for this dude, man. He's not really talked about, but a lot of NFL teams are bringing him in. A lot of people love him. This dude has really good vision. He's a real balanced runner. His pass pro is really good too. He's a really good pass protector. Just keep your eyes on this dude, man. That's all I'm gonna say. I just gotta take it a step further than that. Have he not be in a backfield with uh, Robinson, he could have been the third or even the second running back talked about. I think mm. honestly, when you look like if you look at obviously his all his uh, all purpose yards, he had what about six fifty. He had six touchdowns this year, but when you see him run, bro, it's it's like looking at Corey Dillon. Or Arian Foster, but he's much faster, obviously, running. I think he had like a 4 5 40 or whatever. This is somebody I put in my category too, where it's like after, you know, Gibbs, Bijan, or Bud, whatever we call him, <laughs> uh, as far as conversation, you really got to start making a case for it because a lot, and it's not just my opinion, but a lot of analysts are saying the same thing. Like, hey, not been in that foreshadow of, you know, Bijan or who, <laughs> I feel bad butchering his kid name. He really would have been an elite running back if we kind of extrapolate even the numbers he did at his backup at a clip of a starter he would have had at least 1500 yards with a you know a full bevy of carries and, and you know being utilized heavily in the offense even being a senior a fourth year player and not having many touches he going to the, the right situation a situation we even saw Damian Pierce cash in on in Florida State not having as many touches but being a phenomenal run that's my guy too and I'm, I'm gonna go get him early in the second round as far as dynasty draft no man <laughs> Let him fall. Let him fall a little bit to the mid. Let him fall a little bit. Can you imagine going to Cincinnati in real life, though? Yeah. Joe is right, man. This dude, he 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 got limited limited opportunities. But man, I'm telling you, if given an opportunity, he probably would have been one of them deals, like for real. And I, like I said, a lot of NFL teams are using that. Was it at thirty? Yeah. That, that much. thing that a lot of guys are bringing him in. Like he he's one. He's a real sneaky guy. Grab this dude in your leagues, man, for sure. And that wraps it up for this week. Next week, we will hop into wide receivers. We'll probably go ahead and have the tight ends taken care of as well. And I will kind of go from there. But for today, we out.